I'll be blessed. I'll be blessed. If I don't. If I don't. I won't. I won't. It's just that simple. Just that simple. How many of you believe it's just that simple? How many of you believe that your biggest enemy is not the devil? It's that will power that God has given you to accomplish his plan and his purpose. Mm -hmm. And it'll work for you or it'll work against you. And tonight, we're going to talk about a message that you really need to hear. I do. And I really need mm -hmm. to hear it. And it's about self-control. How many of you believe that you have a challenge from time to time with self-control? Or you know somebody that does have a challenge from time to time with <laughs> self-control? Now, it sounds like I'm talking a lot here, but you're going to sit down in just a minute. But, but recently, God has really been speaking to me about self-control in my life and self-discipline. And so I'm thinking, okay, God, this is a great message for me. Is this for the entire church? And I believe it really is. And I believe it's a message that I'm still working on. But, but this message tonight is perhaps the introduction to what God is getting ready to do regarding this. But I was walking through Barnes & Noble, one of my favorite places in the world to go, and I saw this book on sale. And it was a $25 book, and I know who the author is. He's, he's a Christian, but he doesn't write as a Christian. He writes as a secular author. And, uh, and on the title, it said, uh, Self-Control, Self-Discipline, no more excuses. And it caught my eye. And uh, also caught my eye that it was on sale for $7. So, uh, I, w w and I picked it up and I started reading. And I bought it for all of our staff because it is just a powerful book talking about Scripture, really line upon line, precept upon precept. But this is the basic message tonight. The biggest challenge that most people in the body of Christ have is self-control and doing what God tells them to do and following the Spirit of God but if we do that, that's where all the rewards are. That's where all the victories are. And we have to determine, are we going to do that or are we not going to do that? So you fill in and then we'll let them sit down. Well, let's say our confession and then they can sit down. You what? Did we say it? Yeah. It was, Did it, I say it? Was, it? it was memorable. I live with, I had this. A little I live with this, folks. I had a little bit of exciting begin, beginning tonight, just, and I'm, I'm a little kidding. lost. Okay. I'm just kidding. All right, so let me just, just do it again. Then we'll feel like you're caught up. I'm all caught up. I know okay. now. I caught up with you, right? Just like that. Second Timothy 3. I think this message is for day, today because I think we're in Second Timothy 3, 1. And uh, when I was looking at it, especially in the Living Bible, it, it talks about it even uh, a little more explicitly. But, you know... We're living in what the Bible says are perilous times. Go ahead. You can be seated. Everybody say difficult times. Difficult. You know, that may be an easier word, but how many of you think we have some difficult times that we're living in? And so I believe that this message, uh, I, I believe it has to do with staying out of deception. I believe that there's a lot of deception that's out there. I felt like God's been giving me a word to share on deception. And self-control is where you stop the beginnings of deception. It's not what other people are doing that will deceive you. It's what you're doing that will allow other people's influence if you're not doing the right thing to get you in a position where you can be deceived. And the Bible says even, in, even the elect will be subject to being deceived in these days right here. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. In other words, when it says without self-control, it's saying all those things can be in check if you have self-control. But because you don't have self-control, you begin to be seduced by what's around you, around me, the things that pull on us that, of course, we know in the beginning they don't look evil but as you progress, one day you wake up and say, how did I get here? Have any of you ever been there? How, how did I get here? And it says, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. We have that today. What's good is taught that it's bad and what's bad is good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. 
And it says, from such people turn away. Well, when you have a whole world full of those people, it doesn't mean you can get out of the world. But what it means is we have to turn away from the influence. Everybody say influence. You know how when people uh, get a, is it a DUI or whatever, it, they're, they're under the influence of something that's distorting what they would normally see if they weren't doing that. And so I believe the world is under the influence Number one, of fear, because it says in the last days, people will be very fearful. And the minute people get fearful, then they begin to try to take care of themselves. And that's when they begin to live self, self first, self, what you call preservation, but it's really putting them in a position of destruction. This is Isaiah 520, honey. You just quoted, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter we're living in that time frame right now what you just discussed how many of you wish or hope or even pray that you would have more self-control yeah okay i want you to all say this it's a waste of time (laughs) it's a waste of time turn to your neighbor tell it's a waste of time it's a waste of time All of you who wish you had more self-control, may I see your hands if you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Yeah. May I see your hands if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you? Then you have all of the self-control you will ever need. It's either operating in your life and consuming you, which it should, or you are suppressing it and ignoring one of the greatest gifts that you have ever been given after salvation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, is the end describing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And it says that we have been given the fruit of the Holy Spirit of self-control. That is a spirit. You have a spirit of self-control. It is in you either being yielded to or you are suppressing it and walking away from that. Now, it got very quiet in here when I said that. Because people like to, myself included, sometimes we like to have an excuse for what we did. Well, I wouldn't be like I am if. I wouldn't be like I am if. I wouldn't be like I am if. You're like you are because of the decisions you make. And when we yield to the spirit of self-control, you're smiling at somebody, you're smiling at me. Who is it? Is it was it Kelly? Where's no, Kelly Page? I know you're looking at her. Kelly, you came on the right night. No, I, but, but <laughs> that's it's for all of us. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, this is for you. This is for you. And for me. And for me. And I know it's for me. I, I really do. When I got a hold of that book, it just started igniting really in me what the Word of God says and what God had been speaking to me about areas in my life where I, it's not that I was not going out doing bad things but it's bad enough not to do what God's called you. And if God has shown you how to respond to something, how to be uh, the, the character of Jesus and the nature of Jesus, then that's where the self-control, we yield to it and we become what he wants, to, wants us to be. Well, and in the end, it becomes a character issue. Uh, you know, I was reading today about Gideon and how Gideon, you know, God called him uh, just, you know, he called him a mighty man of valor when he was in the bottom of a pit. But long story short, God brought him up out of that pit, and he caused him to be a a mighty man of valor and to win a great battle, a battle that he should not be able to win, should not have been able to win, but he won it. But in the end of the whole, you know, situation, he built an altar and had people start worshiping an idol. So, you know, his character was not perfected. And and when we don't have self-control, everybody say self-control. When we look for something to satisfy our life other than what God says we can have, then we begin to be in a position where we're not letting the self-control of the Holy Spirit uh, take over that fruit of that spirit to take over in our lives. And it isn't something I don't believe we have it naturally. These are the fruits of the Spirit. We inherited them because we have the Holy Spirit. So they're in us, but it's just like every other fruit of the Spirit. Patience, kindness, all those things. It goes beyond what we feel. It goes beyond our natural uh, response. And so self-control is something we have to learn and practice on a daily basis in order to get good at it, in order to let it take over our lives. 
Now, if you look up the word self-control and how it was used in the Greek context, it, it, it's interchangeable with self-discipline. In other words, self-discipline is when you yield to a force that your flesh does not want to yield to, but you do it anyway because you know it's the right thing to do. One of the things that's happened in this country, honey, and this is not a message about America. We're going to be praying for America tomorrow and for the National Day of Holocaust Remembrance, but... Uh, discipline has broken down in America. It's broken down in families. It's broken down in schools. It's broken down in if it feels good, do it. Uh, We need to make sure that nobody ever feels bad about themselves, so we need to recognize every single form or whatever on the face of the earth and make sure everybody's happy with the way they are instead of using the Word of God to determine. By the way, I don't know if you read the article or not about Target, but beware when you go into Target about their restrooms. Uh, I've talked to the management of Target, and they have declared and they have shared with me that we believe that anyone of any sex should be able to use any bathroom, whether the children are not involved there. They have that right. This is a free country. We also have the right to discourse and to let them know how we feel. And I've let them know how we feel and how I feel as a leader of the church. Uh, but we need to take a stand sometimes and say, we have to come back to the point somewhere, sometime, to have self-discipline in our own lives just to become what God has called us to be. I've had lacks of it in my, my, my lapses of it in my life. Maybe you have. I don't know that for sure. sure. But what I've noticed a few. No, I'm just kidding. Sure. But you understand what I'm saying. See the hands of all the people. You've had some lapses from time to time. Now, let's say it. I've had had some lapses, lapses. but I have have self-discipline. I have self-control. I have self-control. And we might try to say, well, that person has a different temperament or different personality. We have the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that dwells in you, dwells in me, dwells in her, and that means we have self-control. We're going to start reading in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, to determine if we're doing what the Word of God says or if we're doing what we say, tell your neighbor you came on the right night. You came on the right night. Now, in verse number 16, this is what it said. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, the word lust is not just a connotation of sex. It can be for ice cream. It can be for cookies. Turn to your neighbor and say, now I know you came in the right night. It can be for the food that you know God told you not to eat. It can be the lust to lay on the couch instead of getting on the treadmill. It can be the lust of a da 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 Turn to your neighbor until he's gone far enough now. <laughs> but those things become then, the lust becomes a habit. I, I lust to get home and lay back and just do nothing. I'm describing to me on a lot of different nights. That's why you're smiling, isn't no. it? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is to go home. Give us get, the treadmill. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I got the treadmill. I got the. I just set it up in the garage. I'm ready. To, I am ready to go. I know. I got that. a sign up there. It says run with the uh, you, whatever. I know. But when I get home, I have this challenge. That I love to lay in the chair, put this little soft blanket on me and let the dog roll up on top of me and just look at me and gaze at me. Now, you think I'm kidding, but that's what no. the dog does. I have pictures. I, I tell Pam, I said, honey, this is what every guy wants to come home to. Somebody just lay on their lap and gaze at them. And, so, I, I, and then I fall asleep. That's why we have a dog. And, and then a couple hours later... <laughs> I, I fall asleep, and then a couple hours later, it's time to go to bed or something. Yeah. And I, I, really, it's true. Yeah. I... I I need to hear this message. I, really I, I recommend this book because my garage got cleaned. <laughs> Just want to tell you that. Totally cleaned. Pastor Bill went through the house like I don't know a whirlwind. Now, for a few days, it looked didn't look like a good thing because was, stuff was everywhere. He had up a card table. He had the kitchen table. He had stuff in the hallway. He had the bedroom torn up. He had... The garage torn up. I mean, you couldn't even walk through my house. But, you know, after two weeks, it is organized. He has, and he he said, I've been putting this off, and it's just a matter of self-discipline. I thought, well, every man needs this book. (laughs) You know, I mean, how many of you have have a nasty garage? (laughs) You know, the garage just gets everything. But uh, he, he went through everything. Now, pictures are his downfall. So, you know, he can't throw away anything that's pictures. But other than that, we are in good shape. 
Now, it is funny, and it is, and it is joyful, and it is hilarious when we talk like this, and, and we should. But many years ago, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said that I want you to get to 170 pounds and to start working out. And I didn't really do it. And I ended up with 10 stents over a period of years in my heart. I have a treadmill. I have a Chuck Norris gym. They've been boxed up for years. <laughs> now they're unboxed. And now I'm ready to go. Except when I took my Chuck Norris gym apart, I don't remember how I took it apart. <laughs> so I got a bunch of parts. So if any of you have ever put a Chuck Norris gym together, let me know and give me a call. I've got he the book. He doesn't use but It's pretty confusing so far. But the treadmill is ready to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot by not doing what we know to do. And then when we look at why do I not do what I know God has told me to do, it's because we're following the world or we're following what other people think we should do. And sometimes we get into a treadmill of just performing and going through the motions of doing what people expect of us instead of following the leading of the Holy Spirit. You'll never get in trouble following the leading of the Holy Spirit. You will always get in trouble following your flesh, and you will always get in trouble trying to please other people because a man-pleasing spirit will cause you to walk away from the things of God. And really, the biggest challenge we face is our flesh, and, and I include in flesh an unrenewed mind, even though it's an organ. It's an organ, right? Mm -hmm. Your mind is an organ? So. Is your mind an organ? My mind's an organ. Okay. And, and, but anyway, your it, brain is. Yeah, that's what, what I say. Your mind. Yeah, well, your I'm in our brain. Yeah, this thing sits right there. But if that thing is not renewed, it's just like flesh. It, it gets in line with our flesh. And you all know what I'm talking about right now. Let me see the hands of somebody who would say, I know you're speaking to me about my flesh right now. Sure. It may not be a situation of weight, but there's something that God is telling you to do that probably all of us have a tendency to shove it over at the side and, and let it go. And, and what happens in is it says, for the flesh, in verse number 17, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. How many of you got some things just exactly like that described? Mm -hmm. I know the right thing to do, and I do the wrong thing. And the wrong thing is not something that's really horrid, horribly bad. That didn't come out very good. Horribly bad, but it's not the right thing to do. And what happens then is a lot of times we would like to get set free from this constant warfare. Not going to happen. You know, and it's not its not your, your flesh and and. I mean, somebody else's flesh and your spirit. You know, sometimes we think, well, if, if they get that together, then I'll be, I'll be all right, you know. That's not going to – it's your flesh and your spirit, you know. It didn't say – and I think that's true. A lot of people start trying to do what somebody else does to fix their situation, and it's not what God wants that person to do. You know, uh, I, I go to Curves, and, uh, and I work out there, and – I can't do what some of those other ladies can do. Now, I can't, it, in the morning, it doesn't work for me. At night, it works perfectly. But then there's this whole group of ladies that go in the morning that I like to visit with. And God said, well, call them on the phone, but go at night. Because that's when I'm really working out. In the morning, I'm fellowshipping. And so they gave me this little thing to stick in the machine to see what I was doing. And it's true. I, You know, you end up with these green dots on different parts of your body when you get done it shows you on the screen and i had all red and yellow dots what's that mean in the morning that means that i'm not doing it right i'm not working out hard enough because i'm visiting i'm fellowshipping i can't imagine that but in the afternoon there's nobody to fellowship with and she takes off the oldies songs and puts on this stuff that goes 900 miles an hour and uh, by golly everything turned green just like it's supposed to well, for me, that's when God wants me to do that. Not, I mean, if I want a fellowship, I can go in the morning, but then I'm going to have to go back in the evening <laughs> to get the green dots. And so, you know, my sister used to say, well, I'm, I'm here to work out, but I don't want to sweat. <laughs> you know, sometimes what God's asking you to do is not what feels good at the moment, but and I'm just using exercise as an example, but not everybody is supposed to do it at this certain time, this certain way. And so we have to hear from the Holy Spirit. We have been given a voice on the inside of us that will tell us exactly what we need to do for ourselves, what God sees 
for each one of us. <clears throat> that's so true. And that's true for individuals. That's true for families. And it's true for nations. And people begin to drift because of the flesh, because of the lust of the flesh. Let's all say it. My flesh, My flesh is no good. Is no good. <laughs> Your flesh is no good. And it says in verse number 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, that means you are submitted to a leading of another force. You are not under the law. And then it goes into the law and talks about the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uh, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, now let's all say it, I have that. I have that. If you're here and you're born again, you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Your earthly tent, and that's what it's described to in Scripture, your earthly tent is the place where the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And that's what it says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. It says that we've been bought and paid for with a the price. Therefore, glorify God in our body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then it says the fruit of the Spirit is, and we're talking about the last fruit here, but love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Every single person sitting here tonight and every single person in the body of Christ has the spirit of self-control. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. We have mainline denominational churches now ordaining and sanctioning gay marriage, immoral situations, contrary to the Word of God. What is the reason? They have succumbed to the flesh, the works of the flesh, and they have walked away from the leading of the Holy Spirit so they won't hurt people's feelings. Your body, sometimes when you exercise the way God tells you to, will hurt. I heard T.D. Jake say this one time when he'd lost, I don't know, about 100 pounds, and he's sharing out a victory. Some of us didn't even recognize him when he showed up. And, uh, and they said, people ask me how I've lost this weight. And he said, very simple, I suffered. Turn to your name and tell them there's nothing wrong with suffering. Suffering. How many of you remember that old cartoon? It's the uh, cat trying to get the bird, and he's always said, suffering, succotash. There's nothing wrong with suffering. Tell your neighbor, there's nothing wrong with suffering. There's nothing wrong with suffering. We live in a society where, oh my goodness, if you're going to feel bad about yourself, well, here, let me do this or let me do that. I, help me. I don't want to get off now on a tangent. Go. I can feel it. Well, well, I, I, don't, well don't, I don't really want to, but it's like there's nothing wrong with being told by a power higher than yourself that is contrary to the Word of God that is called sin. Oh, you've hurt my feelings. You've told me that I'm in sin. No, I've saved your life. If you listen, I've saved your life. Because it says here, and I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm glad God is in charge of who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. But what I just read said those who practice all of these things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know what that means in its totality because I know if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, the Word of God says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This doesn't contradict it, but it says if you practice these things, you may not have the life you think you had. I wouldn't want to be practicing these things when the rapture comes and find out that God decided to live, leave me down here for a while uh, and go through the tribulation period. And honey, it, it is so serious for people to come to grips with the idea that the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide us into all truth, Matthew uh, John chapter 16, verse 13, and that we get so busy being busy all day long with our lives that all of a sudden you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and you've never really gotten into the habit of being led by the Holy Spirit. You know, I was reading uh, or listening today to Dodie Osteen on a CD that she did for TBN. Uh, I got, no, maybe for Mark and Joni Lamb. But anyway, she said, uh, John, her husband, this would be Joel's dad, always said, you have to store up the word, honey. You have to store up the word. We have to store up the word and have it in there so when we need it, it'll overtake us. 
And when she was diagnosed with cancer of the liver, and she had an uh, orange-sized tumor plus two almond-sized tumors, she said it was the word of God that came up on the inside of her. And the doctor said, your time to live is so short that chemo isn't even a consideration. And neither would any radiation. Nothing will help you. She said, we went home and laid on the floor and prayed. And John said to the Lord, I need my wife. My children need my wife. You need my wife. And so we're going to count on your word to bring us through this. And on this CD, she reads all the scriptures in that thing that she, on that CD that she said at that time. Now, she's still alive at at 80-some years old, and she was 49 when that diagnosis came, totally healed. But this is what she said. I still read those scriptures, every one of them, every day before I start my day. If I'm flying at 4 in the morning, I am up early enough to read those scriptures, and I have never stopped reading them every day since I was 49 years old. Wow. Everybody say commitment. See, that's self-control. That's yeah. saying. Yeah. And, and I, I've read in Brother Copeland's, you know, devotionals and things with Brother Roberts, people losing their healing. Well, they didn't lose their healing. They, they let go of their healing because they didn't fortify themselves and continue to say the thing that got them healed. What gets people healed is the word. And so, you know, in that case, she said, now, today, you don't, I'm not saying everybody should say no to any kind of treatment. She said, that was 33 years ago. They told me there was nothing they could do. Today, there are treatments. So you need to know what God is saying for you. But the word, everybody say the word, should be stored in our heart. Because she said immediately when they told her that, the word started coming up in her heart immediately all the scriptures on healing and that's all she said even though she was barely able to go from room to room she said those scriptures that's a good word honey you you know no one can cause you to lose self-control now you may think oh you don't know about this person or that person no there may be somebody grading you the wrong way but they cannot cause you to lose self-control only you can let go of self-control. Uh, road rage is, is, you know, any, any Christian who has the Holy Spirit within them, you never have to succumb to any of those things. Now, you may have to succumb to somebody that is raging against you. And I've told Pam many times, you know, you get in a situation like that. You had that not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't look at them. Just mind your own business. Keep going. Don't try to prove right or wrong. Let the spirit of self-control just lead you right out of that situation. Get out of it. Don't try to prove you were right. And same thing for all of us. Don't try to prove something. You might end up dead on the highway and you prove nothing other than your life is over. But what happens then is that we have to get accustomed This is difficult for me to do sometimes, and I know it's difficult for all of us, but you have to become accustomed to warfare with your flesh that will never end. Your flesh will entice you because when you succumb to it, it kind of feels better. How many many of you know what I'm talking about? I and this is a silly example, but, but I love vanilla Cokes from the custard. I just love them. I could drink a couple of those every single day. How many of you realize a couple of those every single day was negate the Chuck Norris gym and the treadmill and everything (laughs) else? Because that's not good for you. You don't need that sugar, although I do something worse than that. I drink the diet. That's That's just poison. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it was a different kind of poison. And and so... (laughs) (laughs) That's not too smart, I understand. But sometimes I get that craving... The Word of God says in Hebrews eleven six that faith pleases God and that, oh, I'm going to say it wrong, that without faith is, it is impossible to please God because God is a rewarder of those who diligently, everybody say diligently. Diligently. Everybody say it again. Diligently. Now, if you get to a Greek concordance, that word means crave. God is a rewarder of those who crave following after him. 
And when you get that craving, we can all relate to craving normally from one thing or another. Food would be the safest thing to talk about, right? Probably. Yeah. Uh, you get that craving about one thing or another, and, and then it just consumes you. That's what God wants us to have for him. That was Hebrews eleven six. He wants yeah. us to be consumed of following his spirit. Now, this is what the Word of God says going on in verse number 24. Did you have a scripture there, uh, honey? Did you want to? No, I'm type? trying to find it. Oh, what, find jump it. in there wherever you find it. Uh, in verse number 24, this really describes what I just described. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Who crucifies or who is in charge of crucifying your flesh? We are. You are. You can pray about it, and you should. You can speak the word of faith over it, and you should. But the bottom line is this. You are in charge of the cravings in your life and the fight that's going on between your flesh and the spirit. And when we understand that, then we'll realize every day is a new fight. Yeah. You believe that? Yes. Every day is a new fight. That it doesn't matter what it is. And and now there's some people that they're here that maybe have experienced certain things. And I, I have a craving that I can tell in my flesh to drink beer. We talked about that just the other day. We're not going to go as far as you went, but, <laughs> but we talked about that just the other day. Some people have done drugs. I have no desire in my flesh to do drugs. Why do you think I have no desire? Never did it. Never done drugs. Never Never was exposed to drugs growing up. Never did drugs ever in my life. Plenty of alcohol, never drugs. So there's no craving in my flesh. That's an easy one for me. Talk about beer, that's another situation. Everybody, I believe, has something somewhere that they have succumbed to. Advertisements come after your flesh, and they try to draw you to it. I believe the devil does the same thing with subliminal advertising. Subliminal advertising was big back in the early 50s. Some of you may remember that, and they finally outlawed it at the FCC. But subliminal advertising was it was really kind of demonic, how the devil throws things to you that you go back to. How, let me just use this as an example. How many of you have thoughts sometimes that creep into your mind that you just thank God nobody but you knows what you just thought. <laughs> that's that's the subliminal stuff that just comes in there like, whoa, where did that come from? Well, you know, um, I, I believe that there's, there's things that happen that, you know, it's not really going to make an impact as much at this stage as it's going to when it gets to this level. And I've, I have felt like God said we are at crisis level with selfishness. Now, selfishness is the opposite of self-control. Selfishness always wants what it wants. Yeah. And it can't overlook, uh, you know, other people's things or their, or their own. It's all focused right here. And when I looked up crisis, it says a difficult or dangerous situation that needs serious attention, a decisive moment, uh, an unstable or crucial time or state of affairs in which a decisive change is impending. And I believe we're there uh, as a nation, but a nation is the people who live in it. The church is really people, not it's not a building. So in the church, uh, I believe we're at crisis point Mm -hmm. because uh, even when I go to work out, there's different people in this room that I'm working out with, and they have different viewpoints of where we're at in the world. And some of them accept things, and I'm a pastor, so uh, I can tell, you know, when I'm there, some things probably aren't discussed that are discussed after I leave, you know, when things are discussed, because you come in and everybody stops talking, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you leave and then you hear the chatter start up again, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so but I've been in situations where one time I was working out and a lady said something about I don't know, it was her daughter or somebody that was, uh, 
you know, talking about Jesus having a wife. And, of course, you know, that's quite possible and blah, 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 you know, and they're just working. And I'm over there thinking, that's not possible if you understand the truth of the word of God. But they are a believer. They believe they are a believer. They believe they are a Christian, and they believe their daughter's a Christian. And so, you know, you, you're, you're doing the treadmill. I, I didn't feel to say anything at the time, but I've prayed that God would give me an opportunity to talk to her. But, uh, I, you know, in the room with all these other women, it was, a, it was not the right time. But we are living in a day where there's no self-control, even in people thinking yeah. the right things. Yeah. In other words, if if somebody can bring enough evidence, you know, with their mind that this is the way it is, everybody just says, oh, yeah, that must be the way it is. And it's really strictly people's opinions. So the measurement is right here. And this said that in the last days, it will be perilous times because self will have taken over. And that's why I believe we're at crisis level total crisis level. And, you know, I thought this was interesting. I had this thought, um, and I know this will sound silly, but God was the original Twitter. (laughs) Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. (laughs) So if you want a Twitter, get in your Bible and follow Christ, and then other people will follow you. How many people are following you? Well, most people are just thinking about Twitter. Well, God, it was like God, it was like God said to me, hey, I thought that up a long time ago. Look it up. <laughs> follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So what he's saying is, you know, we're going, I follow my Father and you follow me. Amen? And so everybody's all into Twitter. Well, let's get it, let's make this the Twitter pitter then. Hallelujah. <laughs> This is the new Twitter, the Bible, and we're going to follow the Bible, and we're going to see how many followers we can get going, okay? And they should follow you in here, hallelujah, till we have no more room for the followers. I would a lot rather be known as having a lot of followers following me the way I'm following Jesus than to be on Twitter and say, yeah, I got 12 people that I'm following and 792 that are following me. And where are you going? Well, I have no idea. <laughs> but I'm telling them all where I think. This tells you what we think. Amen? Anyway, I think it's a whole message. I might write a book. That's good. That's, that's good. Because that's I believe good. God told me that. I never thought about him being the original Twitter, but, you know, that's... That's good. It's all about who, who are you following? Yeah, and and who's following you? The whole, Write it, the whole girl. System. Preach it, girl. That's first First Corinthians eleven one is what she just quoted. Uh, Paul said, "Imitate me as yeah, I, I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ." Yes. And that every single one of us are constantly faced with decisions that are warring against our flesh. It doesn't mean that we have to be angry or upset or frustrated with individuals who feel differently. But we do proclaim the truth of the Word of God, that what you're doing is wrong, and that we love you, and we want you to come to our church, but that lifestyle is wrong, or that situation and decision you're getting to make, it doesn't bear witness with my spirit. How many of you wish that somebody had interceded in your life at one time or another when you were about ready to make a big blunder, and it would have been great if somebody invaded your space and said, you know what, I love you, and I love you enough to tell you that what you were about to do is the wrong thing, and I want to share with you with the love of God. And when they attack you or whatever, because you have self control you never defend yourself you just merely proclaim the word of god everywhere that you go and when we live that kind of life we become very peaceful with ourselves because you realize that you're doing what god has assigned you to do every single one of you know this feeling matter of fact let me see your hands how many of you know you hear from the holy spirit and what happens is the world is louder in my life. Let me just use my life. The world is louder than the Holy Spirit in my life. People are louder than the Holy Spirit. My mind seems to be louder than the Holy Spirit. I have to get away and be quiet before the Lord and really hear from the Holy Spirit because it seems like that word 
that is described as a still small inner voice is a still small inner voice that doesn't seem to dominate me unless I allow it to and say, I know what God has said, and this is what I'm going to do. And the whole world may seem like it's against you, but you don't care because you know you have heard from the Holy Spirit, and the spirit of self-control is not going to let you attack the world. It's going to let you love the world, and that's exactly what God did because it's His Spirit. Now, if you ever get this revelation, it will just explode inside you. The Spirit of God, and God is Spirit, John four twenty four. The Spirit of, the, of God Himself lives in you. And it's all of the fruits that are manifest when you yield to it, but the fruit of self-control, I believe, holds it all together for you to walk in it and never to lose it, never to let go of the love, the patience, the long-suffering, all of those things, but have that self-control. Now, in verse number 25, this is what it says. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, what you just said, honey, we're going to imitate God as dear little children. We're going to do exactly what God showed us to do, not being concerned, and this is hard for some people, not being concerned about the feelings of other people, but being concerned about am I following the leading of the Holy Spirit? Am I releasing myself to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? And am I allowing self-control to consume every area of my life? When, when we reach up, and it's a battle. It is a battle continually. I know I said that earlier, but it is a constant battle. But if we do that in the realm of the Spirit, we will also reap back out of the Spirit what God has said He has for us. And, you know, when we uh, practice self-control, um, you know, the, it's, it's in the good things, too. Uh, you know, you can have good input, but God will tell you, practice self-control here. Don't be, you don't have to tell everybody. And uh, my husband and I went to breakfast the other morning, and uh, my husband, um, he's a little different than me. You know, we, I'm thinking when I go to breakfast, we're going to talk. And I got my list already because... Believe it or not, we live together, but, but, you know, we don't always talk about church things. In fact, sometimes we try not to talk about church things because, honestly, with a church even this size, there's something that's going on all the time, constantly. And, uh, and so we went to breakfast, and he sits down. Now, he's just going to have a cup of coffee because he's already got 1130 meeting, which he's, pr- he's already thinking about, see, because he's praying about what he's going to have to do in this 1130 me i have all these questions so i start letting him know these questions and the longer i look at him the more he looks like he's going to faint and it's like he can't answer all those things that fast because he's going to think about what the holy spirit wants him to say and i am firing them off fast because i only got He'll only sit there for about maybe 45 minutes at the most because he'll be gone. And so I'm just, you know, and he's. And I can tell he's just wilting like there can't be that many things wrong. <laughs> but I'm wanting input. Well, you know, he, he looked at me and, and just for a second, the Lord said, just be quiet. You know, that's self-control. Everybody say self-control. Because I'm thinking these things are really important because I'm going to have to know. But I could tell for him it was not the right time. I'm just talking natural life. You know, self-control is not always thinking about what we need. It's thinking about what the other person needs. And, you know, when my husband says he's slower than me, he is doesn't mean he's slow. It just means, I don't mean it like that. I mean, he's just. Everybody is slower than you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have so much vision. I see all those things. But, you know, sometimes we've got to practice self-control in letting the other people be who God made them to be, too. And if I, if he would answer, it may be the wrong thing. 
So I have to be sensitive to what he's needing so I don't just overwhelm him with everything that I'm thinking we have to have an answer right away. And I tend to want answers quicker. You know, I, I like to fix it. And, and he's going to pray about it. And that might be a while. And so, you know, I'm just saying self-control, uh, it, it doesn't just apply to your life. It applies to your life as it relates to somebody else's life as well. You ready for some really deep teaching now? Until I have heard from the Holy Spirit, I haven't heard from the Holy Spirit. Wasn't Did you that get deep? that? Until I have heard from the Holy Spirit, I haven't heard from the Holy Spirit. I have no trouble making decisions. I've made no. decisions all my life. I've made them in trouble, out of trouble, and gotten in trouble by making the decision. <laughs> How many of you have made quick decisions and wish that you had taken a little time to seek the leading of the Lord? You're going out to Macy's to buy a tie or to buy a shirt or to buy a blouse. If you don't buy the right color, you're probably going to be okay might look funny, but you're going to be okay. But you, 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 how many of you know that there are some things that when I'm around people, Pam is one of them. She really is. Uh, she likes uh, sometimes quick decisions. I wonder yeah. what to do about this now. I don't know what to do about this right now. But I hear people say, well, I think we ought to do this. How do you hear so quick from the Holy Spirit? It takes me longer to hear I, now, I'm not saying you don't hear from the Holy Spirit or other people, but sometimes people say, you know what, we need to do this, 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 and this, and this, and the thing just came up a second ago, and now this is what we're going to do about it. And I say, how do you guys hear so quick from the Holy Spirit? I don't hear that quick. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you haven't heard, only half of you know what I'm talking about. Okay. If you haven't heard from the Holy Spirit, you haven't heard from the Holy Spirit. Once you've heard, Locked in, lock and load, let's go, we're ready. Uh, and so that does sometimes yeah. come into play. And sometimes I think it's gender. I think women uh, are a lot more revved up sometimes than men. Do you Revved think up, that? yeah, kind of, I guess you could call it that. Kind of. Read about the garden. Gee, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I do believe that, um, you know, what, it, what, what the Lord showed me was he can't answer that many questions at once. If I had just asked one question and giving him a minute to to digest if, that if you just asked one i would have thought i sat down at the right wrong table <laughs> <laughs> hey galatians chapter 6 verse 7 i want to read a couple of scriptures here do not be deceived that's probably true tell your neighbor do not be deceived do not be deceived <laughs> i think there's so many people in the body of christ they that are deceived, deceived. Honey. oh my goodness um you the know. next two wednesdays we're going to talk about deception the lady Invite your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't have time to talk about that lady. That's right. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. That's all said. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. You say that loud, Ross? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ross. <laughs> he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit of the spirit will reap everlasting life. And this is for all of us that sometimes, you know, there are areas in my life where sometimes I just know the Lord says, you have become weary. How many of you know that feeling? Just, oh, God, is this ever going to work out the way I thought you showed me? And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And I believe there are a lot of people who have believed for things for a long time, and they're just close to losing heart because they don't see the manifestation of what they're believing that God showed them, but yet God will always be true to his word. Um, another thing I just heard today when I was listening to Dodie, she was talking about Joel, and he went out to run around a mountain. I don't know what that meant, but she said it was going to take quite a while to make the run. And he he started going. He was gone about a half hour, and he said, I, I can't do this. It's, it's too hard. And he started to turn around and go back, and this elderly gentleman, she said, came by and looked at him, just said, it's closer than you think. 
That's all he said. And he said, he went right on by. And she said, you never know, that could have been an angel. Just encouraging. And he turned around and he continued and finished it in an hour and a half, which was record time for whatever he was doing. Everybody say, it's closer than you think. You know, when you have things that just are like that, you don't want to let go of self-control and try to just start doing something. You know, do you just, just keep going, just keep running on that same course that God's given you to, to run because it's all, God's, God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's saying. <clears throat> you know, years ago, I was thinking about a situation with our nephew out in Denver. Uh, we know he's going to be set free from a life of living on the streets and drugs, and we had him live with us for a while. And I was talking to his mother. Oh, this has been a while ago now, about six months, a year ago. And, and, and she said, I just know someday he's going to get saved and turn his life around. I said, it's going to happen tomorrow. And she said, tomorrow. You think it will be tomorrow? And I said, yes. We just don't know which tomorrow. But it is going to happen tomorrow. We just don't know which one. And sometimes we have to believe that, that we're a moment away from the breakthrough in every area of our life. And if we'll hold on to what the promises of God are, we'll have what God said, because God will always be true to his word. He'll never let us down. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Some of you are here tonight. I think the message is for all of us. But some of you are here tonight and you know, you're facing some heavy-duty stuff, and, you know, sometimes your flesh will tell you this. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. You, you, don't, you don't know what I'm facing. Well, you know, it's kind of like trumping this. Well, yeah, well, you don't know what I'm facing. Then pretty soon everybody's going down trying to tell how bad it is. But it's really very good because we have the power of God, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit working for us, and that whatever God said is truth. And that is exactly what it will be. And if we'll meditate the truth, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible for me was in Joshua. Uh, the book that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reading another book on the leadership of, of Joshua and how that Joshua was a slave. And that then as a slave, and when they came out and he began to serve Moses, but Joshua ended up being the good guy but had to stay in the wilderness 40 years because of the bad guys and that they wanted to stone Joshua. And Joshua went from a slave to being turned on by everyone and wanting to stone him to being the leader who everyone said, Joshua, whatever you say, that's the way it will be. And anybody comes against your word, we'll kill them because we know you hear from God. And Joshua's life is a powerful miracle. Joshua, with one exception, Joshua lived what God told him to live and what Moses encouraged him to do. You meditate the Word of God day and night, you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. And that is true for each and every one of you. Looks like all of you are a home crowd. Bow your heads with me just for a moment. Anybody here, you would say, I don't know if I died tonight. I'd go to be with Jesus.